Hi, my name is Logan Weber, and I am your host for Showcase at the Smith, presented to you by the Edward C. Smith Civic Center here in Lexington, North Carolina. We've had many wonderful patrons, artists, and organizations over the years here, and our goal with this podcast is to showcase who these people are, what they did to get there, and what advice do they have to offer to people also trying to pursue artistic careers. So we ask you here at the Smith to sit back and relax. Enjoy our interviews with these North Carolinians and people a little farther away. These interviews are being socially distanced, so audio quality may vary depending upon where people are. So we appreciate your understanding. We are very lucky today to have Cassandra Chenette Lockhart with us, who is in fact the president of our board. So thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. We have a bunch of different artists that always show up, and I think today it's really cool to have you because not only are you the president of our board, but also you do a lot of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And there is, that in and of itself is an art Mm -hmm. because you have to stand in front of a group of people and it does take a certain amount of confidence. It takes a certain amount of intelligence into how you stand and how you do all of your stuff. And um, before we get into all of that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I am a native of Lexington, so I was born and raised here, graduated from Lexington Senior High, class of 99, it's best class to come through the school. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I moved away after college and moved to Raleigh to attend North Carolina State University, where I received my bachelor's and master's degrees, and I stayed in Raleigh for almost 15 years Wow. Um, before moving back here to Lexington in 2013. So I have been home for, this is going into my, well, I'm in my eighth year of being back home and I love it. Um, Hmm. I am probably what most people call like a busybody. I'm always into something. I'm always somewhere. I like to be in the know, but I also like to have a lot of fun. So (laughs) you will catch me running around with kids, riding my bicycle, running, um, spending time with my nieces and nephews, my family. Well, you were also saying you, you don't just uh, do public speaking. You also work at the YMCA as a personal trainer. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yes. Awesome. I do. I do work there as well. And then I do some personal training of my own on the side. Right now, I've been training at like parks in mm-hmm. town um, because the gyms aren't open. Yes. Um, of course, people are you know hesitant to have people in their houses, but you can use parks to space out six feet and you know, mm-hmm. really still be able to utilize the space and do things um, to help people work out and get healthy. So what brought you back to Lexington for Molly? So actually the plan was, I was just, things just weren't working in Raleigh. It was just time <laughs> for a change. Yeah. And so I had planned to come back here and my grand plan was to move to Florida because I don't like cold weather. And to me, <laughs> Florida's like, every time you go down there, it's like vacation time because it's always warm. <laughs> And so I was going to move to Florida and then I got back here and encountered some things family wise and just knew I needed to stay here Mm -hmm. um, and help out and, um, you know, just just take care, take care of some things family wise. And so I'm still here. So maybe one day I'll move to Florida, maybe not, but I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm glad the Lord led me to come back here. Diving into your 
life in terms then of doing public speaking. Mm -hmm. What's your history with that mm -hmm. then in North Carolina? So I guess I probably got my first start at public speaking when I was little going mm -hmm. to church and we would have our programs for Easter and Christmas and Black history programs and all different types of things, vacation Bible school. And mm -hmm. so we would have to speak. And, yeah. you know, there were kids who were shy. There were kids who were a lot more confident and, and felt okay being in front of a crowd. Um, but no matter which part of the spectrum you fell on, you still had to get up there and speak. So it was almost like you were kind of forced into it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't anything that was mean, like, go up there, you got to go do it, you got to go yeah. do it. It was just like, you know, helping to try to build up confidence. And I see that now that I'm, you know, 39 years old, when I was like six and didn't want to do it, I didn't feel like they were trying to build my confidence. It was like, something I just had to do yeah, no, <laughs> because my mama said I had to do it. So, um, but that was kind of my first time, but I, I remember, I can remember the more I did it in church, the more I didn't feel as nervous and I didn't feel as shy. My voice would be, I would be able to project more um, mm -hmm. because I felt more confident. So it, it did definitely help to kind of start me down that path of, of public speaking and being comfortable and confident. Did that evolve at all then when you went uh, to college? It did. It actually did. So I majored, my undergraduate major was communications okay. with concentration in public relations. And so my freshman year, one of the first classes I had to take was public speaking. And so we had to, um, so this is me going into a brand new environment mm -hmm. with people I don't know. Um, being forced to get up in front of people. And at that point, you know, I'm a teenager, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure things out. I'm away yeah. from home. Like that was a totally different type of pressure. That's oh, a new like, world. Getting up in front of my peers, you know, who weren't like six and seven years old when I first started, but trying to get up and, you know, at that point I'm more intelligent, I'm smarter, I have more knowledge and information, but you're still fearful of like giving a bad performance. But the yeah. thing I appreciated about it was that we couldn't just get up and talk. We had to research. So whatever mm -hmm. our topic was, we had to research that topic and kind of set out a framework for how we were going to present it. So it wasn't just getting up, just speaking, you know, and things of that nature. It was like actually preparing to get up and talk about what you felt confident in. And there, there were times where we got to choose the topic and then there were times the topic was given to us. And so that that was also one of the things I appreciated because it's easy I think it's easy for most people to talk about things they enjoy yeah, and that they yeah. like and that they know, but it, it gives you a different type of experience to have to talk about something that maybe you aren't as familiar with or even something you don't like. So like, if you told me to go talk about math and I'm like, oh. like, I can't stand math. No, no. I can't, I can't. <laughs> but it's, it's I think the same for a lot of people, mm -hmm. it, especially in the arts, you know, you have all these different genres of things. Mm -hmm. And you can be very comfortable with, you know, I'm going to sing musical theater or pop mm -hmm. or something like that, and then somebody asks you to do jazz. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different world in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it there's a level of uh, uncomfortability. Right. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. I haven't had to do this before. Right. And that, that does get your nerves, mm -hmm. your nerves going. Mm -hmm. um, when you started then teaching about public speaking, what was kind of your first step in starting your business? So I started my business. So I'm, I'm a writer. I call myself a writer, communicator, and a motivator. 
Okay. And so there are three different kind of parts, you know, the writing aspect, the communication aspect, and then we're focused on the motivating aspect, which encompasses public speaking. And so what had been happening was that people were asking me to speak at different events, mm-hmm. um, to share my knowledge and expertise in certain fields, certain areas. And so I realized that I, I enjoy it because it's not it's not because I enjoy getting up and making myself sound like I'm really smart. And anything like that is is I want people to, <laughs> you know, some people thrive off stuff like yeah, that, you know, but I, I wanted myself to, I want people to leave feeling motivated to in whatever area it is I'm speaking about. So yeah. that's why I enjoy public speaking is because I enjoy trying to motivate others, whether to keep pushing or to not give up on their dreams or to believe in themselves and things of that nature. So my motive, my, my public speaking portion of my business that always comes into play because I don't want to just get up and just speak to be speaking about a topic. I needed to be meaningful. I needed to be purposeful. Um, And that's just kind of what I I do for myself. And so it kind of really just kind of fell into my lap. It wasn't anything I was necessarily looking to do. Yeah. But once I saw, you know, how much I was doing it, I said, well, I think I can incorporate this into a business model. What's your favorite aspect then when you are up there and you're giving a speech because in a way i think Mm -hmm. you kind of just answered it Mm -hmm. but um is there a specific thing when you're speaking Mm -hmm. in that motivation that you really enjoy is there something that just you you feel it and you're like this is why i love doing this Mm -hmm. uh for me it's it's looking there's two things there's looking at people Mm -hmm. and seeing that connection because you can read people's eyes you can tell when you're when you're locked in with someone that's really listening and they're connecting to what you're saying and because i'm a writer i'm always looking for people that are taking notes so people don't write you know i can tell if you're doodling because i know when i'm doodling (laughs) and i think that's just one of those things i pick up on as a writer yeah and so i can tell when like people are taking notes or they're like really in tune to what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. One thing it does is it helps me to know that I've, I've hit that sweet spot. And those are the kinds of things I need to keep flowing with. Because you have to be you have to be aware of your own self when you're up there and to know maybe when you need to shift gear some. Yeah. You know, because sometimes you can look into a crowd and be like, oh, they are not with me at all. Uh-huh. You know, or I'm boring them there. to death or they've heard <laughs> five speeches already. So maybe I need to come at it with a different angle. Mm-hmm. But that comes with time. I mean, that's not something I went straight into public speaking doing, being able to switch like switch gears like that. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's just taking a pause and saying, I'm losing y'all right now, right? <laughs> like, let's stand up, let's stretch. Like just some just acknowledging yes. that kind of elephant in the room. And sometimes yes. that's the thing that gets them back on track because they're like, okay, well, she is in tune with with us and what's going on. She's in tune enough to know this strategy she's using right now isn't working. So we need to switch it up. And it gives you kind of that human aspect to say, okay, I didn't get it right this time. Let's see if we can change it and still save this going forward. Because I don't ever want to walk away feeling like I just wasted people's time. There's, I, I love what you just said in terms of, you know, we have to attack it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot of, um, again, on the flip side of it, you know, just in a musical theater performance or anything like that, you have so much rehearsal time where mm-hmm. it really has to be like, they go here, why goes here, how da 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 and everything has to work, mm-hmm. you know, but it comes down to at the end of the day, um, not everything might work mm-hmm. on stage. And so then if something falls apart, because of the preparation that you've done and all the practice and your technique, 
you can come at it at a different angle to save the moment mm -hmm. or to save, you know, the orchestra might be off, but you can get back on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that just, like you said, comes with time, technique, and preparation. Mm -hmm. Which I kind of want to go into now with you, because um, this, this is really interesting. What, um, being a writer then, being mm -hmm. a writer mm -hmm. and a public speaker, when you are preparing a speech to give, mm -hmm. what is generally your starting, what, what do you generally do to get started with it, to make a speech? I actually, probably the first thing I do is I, I just wait until it comes to me. I'm, mm -hmm. I don't force, I've, I've been writing long enough now to know I can't, my best writing comes when I'm not forcing it. And mm -hmm. so it could be the day before and I could be, you know, in my mind, I want to get paranoid and be like, oh God, I need to, you know, come up with something to say. Mm -hmm. And it always happens where it'll come. It just comes on its own time. And so yeah. once it comes, then I just start writing. Um, but usually start, you know, kind of like a little intro, depending on the size of the crowd. I like to do little icebreakers, mm -hmm. you know, something to kind of, you know, break up the monotony or, you know, not just dive straight into, you know, a story or anything. Not, I mean, not just dive straight into the speech. But I like to just kind of know my audience to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, so I know how to approach it or how to even start it. But it's always just waiting until the right words come. And then I'll even, and depending on where I'm giving my speech, I'll either write it out mm -hmm. or I just write down notes. Because like I know, kind mm -hmm, of just kind of bullet points, because usually if it's bullet points, it's something I'm very, very familiar with. So it's easy for me to talk mm -hmm. about. Um, if it, if I write it out, it's typically something where I'm having to remember like data, statistics, mm -hmm. things of that nature, where I need to make sure I have my numbers and things like that right. Um, or it could be a larger crowd too, because I think you can get away with bullet points sometimes if it's a smaller, more intimate crowd. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't always work if you're speaking to like this whole large room of people. Um, but again, that comes with whatever the setting is and what the you know, the topic is, whatever the conference is, that you're at, things of that nature. What's the largest group you think you've given a, a speech to? That is a good question. I had to speak in college. How many people here? Maybe like 300. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe like 300. Is that generally kind of the max out size for you, you think, when you're yeah. giving a speech is about... Yeah, About it's usually it's usually pretty like around there, or it's going to be smaller, like a more intimate group. And what topics then do you, what topics do you prefer to speak mm -hmm. about? I enjoy speaking about um, embracing your journey, mm -hmm. like just whatever life has kind of handed you, just embracing that mm -hmm. and making it work. I enjoy speaking about healthy living. Um, as a personal trainer, but it's also not about just exercising. It's about taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like how it all works together. Yeah. Um, I enjoy talking about entrepreneurship as an entrepreneur, you know, just the process of getting started and, you know, the things you can be doing to help your business and things of that nature. Um, I enjoy talking about, I call it, well, you see it a lot, live, laugh, love. Yeah. So kind of yeah. how to, you know, merge everything, you know, to where you're, um, living the life you want, loving the life you want, laughing through life, you know, just kind of those different things. So those are, those are some of my favorite topics to, to definitely address. So 
say you were giving a course mm -hmm. to some students to teach them about public speaking. Mm -hmm. We've kind of touched on the beginning, you know, preparation mm -hmm. of what you could do. What other advice would you have to somebody, somebody who is uncomfortable in that setting of mm -hmm. doing public speaking? Mm -hmm. What just advice could you give that person to say, you can do this, these are some steps to help you? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that helped me um, when I was first starting kind of my public speaking was really focusing on what I was focusing on before I got up there. Mm -hmm. Because typically if you're, if all you're saying in your head is I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, God, I just can't wait to get this over with, then that's how you're gonna feel going up there. And yes. I would notice sometimes <laughs> like I would just like start sweating on my forehead and I'm just like, why am I so hot? You know, but it was because I had all this like built up nervous energy. And so I started trying to focus on just positive things, things that would kind of keep me mellow and keep me kind of at a level place where I wasn't like so focused on what I was getting ready to do. So maybe thinking about, I love food. So thinking <laughs> about maybe after this, I go get me some pizza. You know, just mm -hmm. thinking about things that would bring me to a place that that kind of leveled me out and kept me calm. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was one of the best techniques was just don't think about what you're going to do because if you think about it so much nine times out of ten you're going to mess up like if you put that pressure on yourself to get up there and be like i just got to nail it i can't stumble i can't say mm. you know i can't have a, a brain fart or anything like that like yeah. nine times out of ten you're going to go up there and do exactly one of the things that you tried so hard not to do so yeah. focusing on something other than what you were getting ready to do um breathing is, was also one of the things they told us just take 10 deep breaths before you get up here Again, just kind of trying to relax yourself, settle down and things of that nature. But as I got older, the best thing that's helped me is knowing who I am and speaking like how I speak, being me while mm -hmm. I speak. So I'm not a person to just lecture you because I don't like to be lectured to. And that's not my style. I'm, a, I'm an interactive person. I learn interactively, I'm visual. So typically sometimes I'll have some type of visual prop or something. Yeah, I make it work for me because I'm there. if there are 300 people in the room, you can have 50 different learning styles in there. So you don't, you don't know how to, you don't know what this person is gonna grasp right. from that. You don't know what this person is gonna grasp. Yeah. So you gotta tailor it to where you can give it effectively and not necessarily be worried about who's in the room and how they receive it. And so that was one of the things that, that has helped me the most going forward is that I can be me while I'm presenting. And another person can present a totally different way because that's what works for their personality. But mm -hmm. me just getting up there at a podium, arms like this, just talking to you, not smiling, not Very laughing, smiling. that's not me. And so I'm never gonna deliver it effectively <laughs> if that if I'm trying to be somebody I'm not. Yeah. And so that's that's has been the best thing for me is just don't worry about whether or not, you know, necessarily what somebody thinks of it, I'm being me and I'm giving it to you how through the person that I am. Yeah. And so I think once I gave myself permission to just be me, when I would get up there and talk, I would connect almost every time. How long do you think it took you to get to that point? Oh, I think I'm probably still getting there because we keep evolving, <laughs> like you keep evolving and growing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I definitely think when I got into like my early 30s, because yeah. I think that twin, the 20s are still a big learning stage. 
Oh, and I think that's culturally America is a little bit different in that yeah. way because we in other countries. I mm -hmm. mean, they, a lot of people still call you a kid in your twenties. Right. I'm, honestly, I'm still like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 29, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm still a kid. Yeah. There's a lot of kids still mm -hmm. in this, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you you learn so much. Yes. I think between leaving home, mm -hmm. going to college. And then the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's a big chunk of learning. Right. Because you're learning by yourself now. Right. You're with your parents. Mm -hmm. Now you're learning by yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you break through that. And then mm -hmm. I think you start to really figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm not there though. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I hope that's how it works. That but. is how it works. I was there 10 years ago. And I think <laughs> what you said was important because you said you're learning. Yeah. And so it's like kind of when you get into your 30s, then you start learning how to apply it to your life. So yes. the 20s is like figuring things out, you mm -hmm. know, understanding, you know, seeing the things you like, learning how you react to certain things. Now, how do I keep applying this going forward? And that takes, I mean, it takes time. So it's nothing that you kind of just arrive to overnight. You know, I used to think people when they would say, oh, wait till you get in your 30s. Like, your 30s is where the fun began. I'm like, I had fun in my 20s. Like, I had a good time. <laughs> but when I got in my 30s, I was like, oh, now I understand. Mm -hmm. And they say the 40s and the 50s are even better. And I'm thinking, but, like, you're getting old at that point. They're like, no, it's, it's about, like, the confidence you have in yourself yes. and knowing who you are. And, and, like, you just, you just, you get to different stages in life. And so now that I'm 39, I'm like, okay, now I get it. And so mm -hmm. I think that's just kind of where that's evolved over the years is that now that I understand who I am and how I thrive and what works best for me, then I'm able to present that, you know, when I'm doing my public speaking and not try to be, you know, somebody that I'm not. Yeah. And it's that idea of, you know, not settling on, you mm -hmm. know, this is as best, this is the best I can do. You know, right. you, if you keep pushing yourself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you, you will constantly evolve mm -hmm. and then you will constantly, you, you're just getting information, right. you're just educating yourself. And mm -hmm. then that should right. through time mm -hmm. make you a better performer, mm -hmm. public speaker, like whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, is this an important principle mm -hmm. that we have, yeah. I think as, as people, mm -hmm. not just as artists, but as, right. as people. So say you're in the heat of battle mm -hmm. in the middle of a speech mm -hmm. and you feel like oh man this isn't hot this isn't going well i don't know what to do right now you just feel like you lost it mm -hmm. what do you do in that scenario i probably say exactly what you said <laughs> <laughs> because it's 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 you know it, it takes the pressure off of me to keep trying to like fight through it I'd rather just say, y'all, like, something, this is not working. Like, I need just a moment to, like, regroup or, like, I just totally messed up. Like, that is not what I wanted to say. That's not how I wanted to say it. I'd rather just be honest and not try to fight through it. Yeah. And I think, and that's happened before, and I'm just like, and I'll just laugh at myself. And I think it kind of gives, it helps ease the tension that maybe is there sometimes yeah. when you feel like, you know, okay, it's not working. And so you're like, ugh. You know, but if you can laugh at yourself and make a joke about it, oh, nine yeah. times out of ten, people are like, oh, okay, we like her. It's you know, they forget, yeah, and they forget yeah. about whatever happened before then, and then you go forward, <laughs> you know, and all they remember is the joke and what came after that. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, it's important to, even in those moments, to not act like you're perfect because mm -hmm. you're putting that, again, you're putting that pressure on yourself. And I've seen it, you know, it's one of the things, you know, as a, as a public speaker and, and being an artist, like I've been at plays where somebody stumbles over something and they make a joke right in the middle of it. Like, yeah, y'all yeah. caught that, right? <laughs> and then they jump right back into it. So it takes away kind of that, that pressure off the person that's on stage. It takes off the, the pressure of the audience to, 
whether they're looking to see if they can catch another mistake or, yeah. you know, or, or if, you know, this person isn't as good as they appear to be as far as their craft or things of that nature. Yeah. I think it's just, but I think it's just one of those principles that we should adopt everywhere to just, it's okay to make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And no, 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 no. Like I nobody, mean, no matter how hard you try to act like you are, you're not perfect. Nobody is. Our final question, and we will go in a little bit more on this okay. um, because you are our board mm -hmm. president. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you. You're welcome. Um, what do you like about the Smith? Mm -hmm. What do you like about being here? So I really like that there are steps being taken to make it more inclusive. Um, there has over time been, like there's always been great programs here. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, there have been times where it's felt, some things have felt exclusive. Yeah. And now I won't always say, I, I do think, I mean, I'll be honest, I do think some of those things were intentional, but I think some were unintentional. Um, just because people are, are kind of comfortable around their own circle. And yes. so sometimes it was just not necessarily about not letting anyone else in, but this is my circle. This is who I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. These are the people I'll focus on trying to get this done or bring this certain project in or things of that nature and not thinking about other people and how that may look. Yes. And so when I was approached about, you know, joining the board, um, I, I'm not... Um, I'm like, like it's funny because like I'm not a like a movie watcher. Yeah. Like when I think of when I think of like the Civic Center, I think of plays and bands and things of that nature. And there were some things that I'm just not. I don't want to say. I don't want to say have a short attention span because that's not it. I like things where I can interact because I'm yes. an interactive person, which is why I don't go to the movies. I can't interact at the movies. No, no, it's you know you're just you're sitting saying. there for yes. like two hours, like you know, just staring at the Sit screen. There, quiet. Yes. Staring. Yes. It, that's a lot. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. And it took me the longest to understand. But like, I could watch football all day, but that's because I can yell back and forth at the yeah, screen. You can yell at something. Yeah, I can yell at something. <laughs> I can talk to the person beside me. You know, the movies you just got to stay calm and you know pay attention all the time. Same way it like plays. So there were certain things that I was just like, well, those things aren't really things I go to because not that I don't think they're great and they don't have a purpose. It's just, they don't work for me because the person I am and how mm -hmm. I interact. Yeah. But there were so many other things that, that could be brought here. Um, even those types of things, because I know people like them. Yeah. And so I wanted to be a part of a movement that I felt like is trying to be more inclusive and bring different things. So bring different types of plays, bring different types of bands, yes. show movies here if we can sometimes, you know, um, bring in um, acts from other parts of the state, other parts of yes. the country, things of that nature, and trying to bring something to Lexington that necessarily hasn't been done before, because a lot of the things that have been done here have been local. So it's always been kind yeah. of a local theater, which is fine. You know, we need a place for local acts for our, our high school bands, for our high school um, drama um, departments. We need those types of things. But there's nothing wrong with bringing in people and exposing them to something different. Like, I love yes. the Raleigh Ringers. Like, and I used to live in Raleigh, and <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't know how I missed them until I came home. Like, I, but I wasn't a PBS watcher either, which is where yeah. their, where their, um, their their program would be shown. I think it would come on some mornings, I think, during Christmas time. And it's, yeah. I'm not a TV watcher, and I'm not a morning person either, so. 
really is not yeah, your so, favorite. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Now, if you put it on at like one o'clock when I'm still up, like doing stuff, when I'm cleaning and stuff, then I probably would have caught it. Yeah. But you know, it just so it was like things of that nature, and I'm like, this was really cool. Like they are awesome and amazing. But I don't think I would have been exposed to them or would have even known had it not been for the Civic Center. So now, you know, for the Smith, so now that I see it, I'm like, well, those are the types of things I like for people to be exposed to here because, you know, we are a smaller city and there are different things. And like I was sitting watching the Raleigh Ringers and I'm like, how do these people even know they can play bells? Like, what in your mind says I can pick up a bell and I can do this, this and this and I can get on key and we can have a whole song and I'm just like, those types of things are, are very, um, I won't say amazing, that's not the word I'm thinking of, but but it is, it's like amazing to me that people know that they can, that that's a talent and a skill that yes. they have. And I mean, and they too are all over, they too are all over the do. country, it's just, it, it is amazing. I'm like, they're in Raleigh, like I did, I, I don't know how I missed it, but I mean, Raleigh's much bigger than Lexington, so, oh, yeah. you know, in Lexington, I can hear about everything that's going on there, I mean, there's tons of things happening in Raleigh, but it was just things like that that I want to be a part of and bringing people and just exposing people to to different things that maybe they wouldn't be able to get because they don't either don't know about it and like mm-hmm. I said I lived in Raleigh and didn't know so you know the chances of somebody here maybe not knowing or even greater just because that's not in their area and mm-hmm. that's just not something they've been exposed to and so I enjoy you know I enjoy seeing some of the the acts and performances that have come through here yeah. in the last two years. Um, it's really opened my eyes to just um, some of the things that like people enjoy. Like I, there, there have been things that have come, there have been performances. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know people would like that. Is there anything, just because you, you were here when you were little, mm-hmm. Is there anything that comes to mind between then and now in the way the Civic Center has evolved? I think um, when I was growing up, I only remember coming here for like plays. Mm -hmm. So there were like um, certain theater groups that put on plays. And so they would um, bring us all on the buses and like certain schools would come. Yeah. And that was like a big highlight because it was like a field trip. Like we got to leave school, mm-hmm. you know, and come to come up here and go to the play. And it was like the, you know, we had our own movie theater in town, <laughs> but it was like the big, you know, we got to go to the big theater, you know, the big civic center and come in and, you know, we're like little kids and we're yeah. getting a little, you know, it's like this big, huge place that we get to come into. But those were like the only types of things I remember coming up here for as a child. And so I think the way I think it's evolved is that there are more offerings. Yes. And so the kids who are small nowadays, they still get to come for some of those theater groups, but there are other things that parents can bring them to as opposed to just coming to a play that shows that has their peers. Yeah. They can come to you know, art galleries that are here. Mm-hmm. They can come to different types of showcases. They can come to see the Raleigh Ringers. You know, yeah. those weren't the types of things I was exposed to and that we had to come to when things were going on because it was really just kind of a place where, you know, there were a few plays and you may have like one big event for the year, but it wasn't something like you you knew about or like your parents were going to bring you to. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that our youth now are getting exposed to different types of art not just you know a play or things or bands or things of that nature um 
at that time and just graduations because we used to graduate here when I when I grew up. This is where I graduated. <laughs> right on that stage. <laughs> um so 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 those types of things. So I, I do I do like the fact that there are other things for them to come and see and that there are offerings for parents to say, hey, let's take the kids up to the Civic Center for the train show, you know, the yeah. man that was gonna come with all the trains and things yeah. of that nature. So I do like that there's a lot of different ways of exposing kids to art because I think a lot of times, at least I knew when I was growing up, if I heard the arts, I thought of like plays, I thought of like actual drawing, like, you know, mm -hmm. art. Yeah. And then I would think of singing. But the arts are so much more diverse than just those three oh, things. Yeah. But that was kind of what we were exposed to the most. Yeah. But now you get to see it in so many different ways. Like art can be so abstract. It can be, you know, it can be watercolors. It can be, you know, somebody taking paper clips and doing stuff <laughs> with. I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, encompasses so many different things. And I think the more we can expose children to at a young age, the more we open up their minds um, going forward and maybe, you know, tapping into their next great artist or, you know, somebody's going to be a art teacher later in life or they yeah. may be a Broadway star. You know, I just, I just, I like the fact that we can bring in so many different types of things for them to see at, at a young age. Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much. You're for welcome. Thank You're you welcome. So, so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And we will see you all next time. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Showcase at the Smith. Thank you for joining us today. Episodes will be posted frequently throughout the coming months. To find out exactly when, keep up with us on our Facebook page or our Instagram at smithinlex. Thanks to everyone for their support. I'm your host, Logan Weber. Music provided by David Vess. Edited and produced by Logan Weber and the Edward C. Smith Civic Center here in Lexington, North Carolina. Stay safe and see you next time.